The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Sadly, many people don't know the Bible well enough to understand that the reemergence of the nation of Israel is God's clear signal to our generation. If you don't understand the significance of that, the rest of the story won't make much sense at all. You see, the Bible clearly predicted that God will regather His Jewish people back into their own homeland in what the Bible calls the last days. If you don't know the hundreds of prophecies about the regathering of the Jews to Israel, you can fall into the world's distorted perspective about events in the Middle East and even find yourself holding anti-Semitic points of view. But God said in the Bible that He will implement the return of the Jews with all of His heart and all of His soul. Now that's very passionate talk. So if you want to be on God's side in this equation, you need to be a watchman and witness what God is doing day by day. To do that, we need to stay attuned to God's heart to understand His passion for these matters. I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 32, beginning with uh, verse 37, which records a declaration from God Almighty where he speaks of the Jews and Israel. He says, Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries where I have driven them in my anger, in my fury, and in my great wrath. Yes, for the last 2,000 years, the Jewish people have been scattered over the face of the earth. But he said to continue this passage, I will bring them back to this place, the land of Israel and I will cause them to dwell safely. They will be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts, so they will not depart from me, Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good, and I will assuredly plant them in this land, the land of Israel. He says, with all of my heart and with all of my soul. When God says he's going to do something with all of his heart and soul, do you think he means what he says? Yes, he most definitely means what he says. Unfortunately, most church denominations have apostatized to the point that they're opposing God and actually working against the Lord's end-time scenario by even trying to oppose and to boycott Israel. Some anti-Semitic churches and political leaders think that they know better than God how to deal with His Jewish people. Also, the enmity of the Muslims against the Jews goes way back to the beginning of the family conflict in Abraham's tent in the book of Genesis. Which of Abraham's sons would be the heir, the son of promise? 
Ishmael, the son of the bondwoman Hagar, or Isaac, the son of Sarah. The story as recorded in Genesis is that Abraham and Sarah suffered a lapse of faith because they were childless. Abraham gave Sarah a son named Ishmael through a surrogate mother named Hagar. But that wasn't God's plan and eventually Abraham was forced to cast out the bondwoman Hagar and their son Ishmael. And to this day, the religion of Islam perpetuates Ishmael's spirit of rejection by claiming that God doesn't have a son. Nevertheless, in his love and mercy, God promised to bless the descendants of Ishmael. And today, many Muslims are blessed by coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord through the divine agencies of dreams and visions of Jesus, the Messiah. As a matter of fact, a Muslim background believer who today is following Jesus as Lord made many complaints to God in his prayers about Israel and the Jews. Although saved and in the kingdom of God, he was very bitter against his elder brothers, the Jews. And one day God spoke to him very clearly. God said, your problem is with me, not with them. God said, I chose the Jews. They didn't choose me. And since then, the former Muslim has corrected his thinking. He checked his hatred, and he's been winning other Muslims to the Lord and teaching them to pray for Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. And now for a clear understanding, I think that this important prophecy in Jeremiah chapter 32 bears repeating. And so I'm going to... Uh, read some of these verses, beginning with uh, 37. Behold, God says, I will gather them, that's the Jews, out of all of the countries where I have driven them in my anger and in my great fury. And I will then bring them again into this place and I will cause them to dwell safely. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And here in verse 40, God says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them and I will not turn away from them. I will do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they won't depart from me. And he says, I'm going to do them good and plant them in this land, the land of Israel, assuredly with my whole heart and with my whole soul. Now in this passage, the words forever and everlasting make it clear that God is not speaking about a temporary solution for Israel, but about establishing them again in their own land as a permanent and irrevocable fact. I like often to study the original Hebrew, and in verse 41 of this chapter 32 of Jeremiah, when God said assuredly, literally, it means with faithfulness and with perfect sincerity, he is going to plant them in their land. A literal translation is assuredly or in truth, or in stability and firmness, he will absolutely delight to show them mercy 
And while doing this, he promises also to beautify them with salvation and to take pleasure in their prosperity after so much suffering. The Apostle Paul restated these sentiments of God in Romans chapter 11 in the New Testament. Paul said that God's calling of the Jewish people is irrevocable and that they will be saved when the full number of the Gentiles have been brought into the kingdom of God. Therefore, it's very dangerous for Britain's prime minister, for the president of the United States, or for the leader of any nation or church to resist what God has said that he's determined to do with all of his heart and soul. When Britain administered the League of Nations mandate over the Holy Land from 1920 to 1948, the British government subverted its own promise that Palestine would be a homeland for the Jewish people. The shocking history of how Britain tried rather consciously or subconsciously to abort the Jewish state from coming to its own is a story that's rarely told to this generation. But as the nations of the West oppose Israel's right to their ancient homeland, their suffering decline, while Israel, against all odds, is rising again. You see, God is ultimately seeking to make His ancient people the instrument of His judgment upon the other nations. Do I have a Bible reference for this? Yes, there are many. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 20 to 23, God is speaking to Israel and he says, You are my battle axe and weapons of war. For with you I will break the nation in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms. And with you I will break in pieces governors and rulers. Also in Isaiah 60 verse 12, God assured Israel of a place of preeminence among the nations. God said, the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined that won't serve Israel. That's a clear warning. No matter how strong or prosperous we may appear to be, God says we will come to ruin if we oppose his plans and purposes for his people Israel. But you say, what about justice for the Palestinians? Yes, that's a very legitimate question. God is concerned for the Palestinians, and he has made promises to Abraham that the descendants of Ishmael shall be blessed. It's hard for them currently to oppose what God is doing. But all parties need to understand that Israel's restoration is not due to the merits of the Jews, but it's because of the merits of the God of Israel who is faithful. He is a covenant-keeping God. Where they may have failed, God has never failed. And because of the merits and redemptive work of Israel's Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, all of Israel shall be saved in the end because God is faithful. Listen to Zechariah 8.13. And it shall come to pass, God said, that just as you were a curse among the nations, O house of Judah and house of Israel, so I will save you, and you shall be a blessing. 
You see, Scripture looks forward to a day prophesied in one of my favorite scriptures in Zechariah 8:23, that the days are coming, the Lord says, when ten men from every language of the nations shall take hold of the garment of a Jew and say, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now, an important question is this. Are you a watchman for your nation? Are you an intercessor? I believe that God's desire is to bless the English-speaking nations who've led the charge in taking the gospel to countless other nations. But I also believe, according to God's word, that our nations will determine our national destinies by the way we relate to God's purposes for Israel. It's amazing to me that the 18th century apostle of Britain, John Wesley, had a great grasp on theology because unlike so many people today, Wesley was thoroughly knowledgeable of the Word of God from cover to cover. And I'd like to read to you a hymn that John Wesley wrote about God and the Jews that was included in a 1779 book. Almighty God of love, set up the attracting sign and summon when thou dost approve for messengers divine. From favored Abraham's seed and new apostles choose and isles and continents to spread the dead reviving news. Them snatched out of the flame through every nation's sin, the true Messiah to proclaim the universal friend, that all the God unknown may learn of Jews to adore and see thy glory in thy Son, till time shall be no more. Oh, that the chosen band might now their brethren bring and gathered out of every land present to Zion's king of all the ancient race, not one be left behind, but each impelled by sacred grace, his way to Canaan find. We know it must be done, for God hath spoke the word, and all Israel shall the Savior own, to them their first state restored. Rebuilt by his command, Jerusalem shall rise, her temple on Moriah stand again and touch the skies. Send then thy servants forth to call the Hebrews home from east and west and south and north. Let all the wanderers come, Wherever in lands unknown the fugitives remain, bid every creature help them on. Thy holy mount to gain. An offering to the Lord, there let them all be seen, sprinkled with water and with blood, in soul and body clean. With Israel's myriad sealed, let all the nations meet and show the mystery fulfilled thy family complete. I'm amazed by John Wesley's grasp on biblical truth concerning end time events and the regathering of the Jewish people in their ancient homeland. He even foresaw that they would regain the Temple Mount and he foresaw the fact that their temple will rise again. John Wesley was of course the founder of the Methodist Church but how many Methodists today 
believe current events in the Middle East are fulfilling Bible prophecy. I want to challenge my Methodist brothers and sisters. Are you in step with your founder or out of step? But this revelation concerning God and the Jews doesn't concern just the Methodists. All committed Christians have a responsibility to bear witness to the full counsel of God concerning Israel and the nations. In Ezekiel chapter 3, in verses 16 to 21, the prophet related how God made him a watchman of his nation. And he explained that if a nation moves away from God's revealed will and purposes, the watchman's responsibility is to warn his nation. And if the nation listens and repents, the nation will be saved. But if it doesn't repent, it will come under God's judgments. But the watchman himself will save his own soul. These thoughts were repeated in my recent Bible reading uh, in Ezekiel chapter 33. And I want to read that starting with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your countrymen and say, When the watchman sees a sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but doesn't take warning and the sword comes and takes his life, his blood will be on his own head. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not warn the people and the sword comes and takes the life of them, that man will be taken away because of his sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood. Verse 11, Surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die? As God's servants today, we're responsible to deliver this message to the nations and the Lord's present truth embodied in so many prophecies such as Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 10, which states, Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off. I could even say here, declare it in the British isles afar off. And say, what do we say? God says, say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd keeps his flock. The Lord warns the world not to oppose his purposes in regathering Israel. And so we must cooperate with God's predetermined counsel as stated in these Bible prophecies. And surely God warns the nations over and over again, such as in Zechariah 2 verse 8, which states that he who touches you, Israel, touches the apple of God's eye. You see, the apple of the eye is the most sensitive part of the entire body. With our reflexes, it's the part that we are the quickest to defend. And that's how God reacts to any threat to Israel. The nations are taking their stand against Israel. Where are the watchmen giving warnings to these nations. Recently we marked the 96th anniversary of the Balfour Declaration that confirmed support from the British government for the reestablishment of a homeland 
for the Jewish people. The Balfour Declaration of 1917 was the first significant declaration by a world power in favor of a Jewish national home in the Promised Land. Many believe Britain lost its empire because of the way it administered the League of Nations mandate over the Holy Land. Under British rule, so many desperate Jewish immigrants were prevented from entering the land after the Nazi Holocaust. Recently in Parliament, a number from both the House of Commons and from the House of Lords apologized to the Palestinians for the historic Balfour Declaration, which had helped to pave the way for the reestablishment of the Jewish state after nearly 2,000 years of Jewish exile. A member of Parliament, Jeremy Corbyn, apologized for the Balfour Declaration, which he described as a historical mistake. Corbyn's apology was echoed by Liberal Democrat MP David Ward, who said Britain had no right to issue the declaration. Among those who decried the Balfour Declaration were Baroness Jenny Tong and Lord Nazir Ahmed, who called on the British government to apologize to countries who suffered under Britain's colonial past. However, I want to ask, what are we going to do with the fact that God himself surely inspired the Balfour Declaration through the British Foreign Secretary, author James Balfour? God emphatically declared in his word that in his appointed time, he would regather and restore Israel as a people. So in 1917, when the Balfour Declaration was written, some politicians still knew the Bible. Seven out of the ten members of that war cabinet were evangelical Christians. Are we going to oppose God's clearly stated purpose because we think today that we know best? The truth is God requires in this Bible that our nation and all the other nations cooperate with him in restoring Israel. You see, Israel's restoration is an important theme of Paul's message to Gentile believers in the New Testament, especially in the book of Romans. And in chapter 11 of Romans, Paul says, I speak to you Gentiles. He said, for if the Jews being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Paul said, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery lest you would be wise in your own opinion, that a partial hardening, he was speaking here of a partial spiritual blindness, has happened to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, the Lord said, when I take away their sins. Paul reminded the church that as far as election is concerned, the Jewish people are our roots and they're beloved on account of the patriarchs for God's gifts and his call 
Paul said, are irrevocable. And so it's incumbent upon all of us to realize whether we are in the news media, in the church, in politics, whatever. The restoration of Judah and Jerusalem was promised by God in his love and mercy. God will own them for his and he will prove himself to be theirs. Whoever God loves, he loves to the end. And God will also bless the Palestinians who live in peace in Israel. We may distrust our own hearts, but we have no reason to distrust God's faithfulness and his justice. If he said he will settle the Jews again in the promised land, then he promises surely that he will be faithful and he will help the, the Palestinians as well. While many countries are in flames around Israel, many Palestinians, especially Arab Christians, are realizing now that they are better off living in Israel rather than in many of the neighboring and surrounding Islamic regimes. Because nothing is impossible to the Lord, he shall, as the God of Israel, gather again those who have been scattered through every land and bring the Jews back to their own country. And you know what? This is part of the gospel. It's part of the good news of Jesus. Because Jesus plans to return when the Jews are in place to rule Israel and all of the world from the throne that he was promised by the angel Gabriel to Mary, the throne of his father David here in Jerusalem. That is good news. And we say, Maranatha, even so, come Lord Jesus. I hope the study has helped you to understand better prophetic events. To watch any of our programs anytime, please visit our website at exploits.tv where we have more than 100 videos available 24-7. And also at our website, you can request a free copy of our newsletter, Exploits. I'd like for you to have your copy. And I'd like to chat with you. Contact me via Facebook or Twitter. Until next time, contending for the faith. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom. Something prophetic, something biblical and surely significant is always happening here in the city of the great king in Jerusalem, the worship capital of the world. We want to thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem channel and for faithfully supporting it. It's because of your support that we're able to bring vital insights in these last days. And we especially want to remind you to receive your free copy of our Exploits Ministry magazine. You can receive it by going 24-7 to our website at exploits.tv. And in the United States, we have a toll-free number. Also in the UK, we have a telephone number so that you can send us your comments, which I always enjoy reading and your prayer request. I want to pray for you here in the city of the great King. So please stay in touch with me via Twitter, Facebook, or our website. Blessing you from the city of the great King. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.